Hello, friends, and thank you for joining Christ Church Online. This week, we are closing out our family series, which we've been calling It's Just a Phase. Delivering the final message in our series is our family life pastor, the Reverend Jamie Kendrew. And just a quick reminder that if you would like to hear the series in its entirety, there are multiple ways you can do so. The first would be to check us out online at ccgf.org sermons, or you can check out the entire series on the Christchurch app, which is available on iOS and Android devices. Now, here is Pastor Jamie with this week's message. Thank you for listening. I think between the song and watching that visual progress throughout this series and seeing the little girl go from being a baby to leaving for college, we've really kind of touched on all those different phases. And each of us in this room, we feel those gut checks and those heart checks in different ways, don't we? You know, my wife and I, uh, over the past month and a half, really had to put our money where our mouth was with this sermon. My son had received an injury in a hockey game, and that's nothing new. Um, And we went to the hospital. They thought he lacerated his spleen, so they did a whole body scan of his body. You know, no big deal. And the doctor comes in and says, Mr. Kendrew, I wanted to let you know, hey, everything that we were looking for is fine, but I do need to talk to you about something. And he persisted to tell me and continued to tell me that they found on my son's left lung a spot. And he began to use words like tumor and nodule, and I wasn't ready to hear that. He's 12 years old, and he's, you know, an in-shape kid. And so the next month and a half of my wife and I's life would be just absolute misery. And it's been the month and a half that we've been going through this series. And we purposely didn't tell our son all of that was going on with him because we didn't want to give it any more life than, than what there would be. And in the event he did have cancer, we would deal with that then. And, and I want to say this morning in front of everybody, thank you, God. Thank you, God, because, you know, I want to say this too. Not every story ends the way we want it to. Not every moment that we have is answered the way we want it to be, but in all circumstances, whether we get the good result or we get the bad result, God is good. And I was so proud of my wife last Monday morning as we were preparing to go to hear what was it going to be that we committed to saying God is good. I got to be honest with you, church. We had doubt, we had fear, we had angry conversations with the Lord But God wants us in our realness. He's big enough to handle our our complaints and our questions. He's big enough for it. But listen to me, God is good. All the time, God is good. Whether the result is good, whether the result is bad. And I just, I thank God so much that my son has messed up lungs. (laughs) The doctor began to try to talk to us about what we needed to do for his lungs. And we looked at him and said, you could tell us he has swine flu and SARS right now. We don't care. We Just be quiet, doc, and let us celebrate. So God, we love you. And we praise you for the way that you work in each of our lives, Lord. And some of our stories don't end that way. But God, you are good. And I do thank you for the time that I have with my family, with my son and my daughter, and for the representation of families that we saw this morning through baptisms, Lord. What a beautiful testimony 
that these parents will stand up in front of a congregation, a body of believers, and say, we are committing our kids to you, God. And for those who, who stood, and this young man who stood with his brother, Lord, we thank you that he testified that he will stand for you. May we, as a body of believers, be inspired this morning that you are good. In all things, you are good, whether it ends the way we want it to or not. But we praise you, Lord. I thank you for that moment last Sunday when I fell apart before the service and Mark LaCornu simply came and prayed with me. We are to be the people of God. We're to be there for one another. And I thank you that as we've talked about this over that series, Lord, that you would remind us that life is a phase and we don't want to miss it. So we commit this sermon to you this morning, God, and we commit these words to you. May you speak to our hearts. May they not be our words, but may they be yours. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You know, there was a beautiful testimony of a family in the sanctuary this morning, a a little boy by the name of Ben Flack. I think he's middle school age. And the testimony was, as his sister was being baptized, that he was the one who stepped into his sister's life and shared Christ with her and prayed with her to receive Jesus. And I affirmed this young man in my sermon saying, he's the biggest man in the room right now. Because as the people of God, regardless of our age, we are called to stand with one another. We're called to speak truth into the lives of one another. This entire series has been about us as a body of believer understanding that it's our duty to pass on what has been taught to us, the gospel of Jesus Christ, to that next generation. If you remember in that first week, Pastor Jared talked about those marbles, those 936 weeks that we have from the time that a baby is born to the time that they go off to college to make the most significant spiritual impact in their lives that we can. The marbles have dwindled away. But each marble is significant. Each moment is important. We talked about how we as parents or the most significant impact, or the most significant influence in the life of our children. You cannot be replaced. We then moved into week two where I had the privilege of preaching to to us about what does it look like for us to make the most of those weeks. And so in order to do that, we started by looking at the end. And we said our desire and prayer was to have men and women leaving our homes, leaving our community as they go off to college, being thoroughly equipped, men and women, for God ready to pursue the calling he has on their life because of how he's used people like you and me in their lives. That when they go off on their own, they would not stand on the coattails of someone else's faith, but they would have a foundation of faith that has been laid up for them, that is their faith. We moved into week three and Pastor Jared came and he talked about fighting for the heart of the family. How each one of us, grandmothers, teachers, mentors, grandpaps, aunts, uncles, single people, married people, ugly people, beautiful people. We all have a role to play in in the community of the church, in the community of family. He talked about how we all communicate in certain ways our love languages and how each person needs to be ministered to in a very unique, specific way. Husbands and wives, we get this. We don't always communicate the same way, do we? I wish I could express love to my wife in the way that I like, but she's got her way of being loved and vice versa. It's called our love languages. And we talked about recognizing that within our kids and recognizing that within one another. And then last week, Pastor Ed came and he talked about how, you know, 
as parents, we need to be involved in our, uh, the kids' lives and as families, but also the greater community and the body of the church. Listen, there's going to come a point in my son and my daughter's life where they're going to stop listening to me, and I need people like you. Just as we affirmed these parents and said, we as a congregation will come around them, we need to be there as a community for the sake of raising our kids because they need five to seven uh, different influencers in their life. And if we as families aren't proactive about finding those five to seven influencers, they'll find them in the world and it'll be things that we don't want them to hear. You are called to pass on the gospel message of Jesus Christ through the interaction of our young people. Not just mom and dad, not just aunt and uncle, all of us. It's a calling we have. We saw a grotesque illustration of what we've been talking about this week in our country, haven't we? On Monday, the story came out of a grandmother that morning. You see, she was invested in the life of her, grand, uh, of her grandson. And her grandson was beginning to live in such a way that he was not being a good person and she became worried and so she got in his business. Listen, parents, get in the business of your kids. Kids, lighten up on your parents. They love you. You're still figuring this out. I say that with all due respect. And when they get in your business, accept it and receive it. You can still complain about it and argue because that's just how it is, okay? But that means they love you. This grandmother was invested in the life of her grandson and she began to worry about him. She walked up into his bedroom and she found a cache of weapons and ammo and knives and a hit list of all the kids that he was going to kill with a friend in his school in Washington State. And because grandma was invested, because grandma cared about her grandson, the next thing she did was call the FBI and the police and they came and they arrested her grandchild. She didn't do that because she hated him. She did that because she loved him. She did that because she didn't want him to make a horrible mistake. And countless lives were saved by somebody being invested, by someone taking it personal, the relationship and the, and, the, and the youth in her life. Have you heard that story this week by chance? Because you see, we see something very different that took place on Wednesday in Florida. The same week where a young man went and he murdered people he used to go to school with. And I want to make this very clear. I'm not justifying or blaming anybody. What that young man did was murder in his sin. Evil. It's evil. But what broke my heart as a pastor, as I watched the news reports, was the countless neighbors and adults and people in this young man's life who said, if anybody was going to do it, it was going to be him. We saw the red flags. We knew this kid was going to do it. Where were they? Why didn't they step in? Why didn't they say something? Why couldn't they love that kid enough to call somebody? The truth is, is they weren't taking it personal. They weren't invested in his life. And because of this anger and rage in this young man and no one to help him direct it, he carried out sin. It's not their fault. Hear me, church. But where were the people to step in? Grandma took it personal. And countless lives were saved. 
But when we as people abandon our youth, it only leads to death. You know, we look at our scripture passage this morning and we recognize that there's a need in our culture. We recognize that we as the church are called to step up and and as we look at that, you know, we think of all the things we just talked about. The ways that we're called to invest in others. The way we're called to serve others. The way we're called to stand with our neighbors in our community. But here's the deal. We've got to talk about one more relationship in this process. And it's the absolute most important relationship if we're going to genuinely lead our kids to Christ. It's the relationship that you have with God. When we were driving down to the hospital, children's hospital, to the elephant room on Monday, we began to talk to my son Brandon about what the day could potentially hold. We didn't tell him what was going on with his body. We wanted him to not be afraid. We wanted him to to not be as scared as we say in my household. And we were praying and we said, Brandon, we want you to know the doctors are going to use words like tumors. They're going to use words like cancer. He goes, I know. What? Mom and I just tried for a month and a half to keep this from you. What do you mean you know? Well, the doctors were talking about it in the hospital earlier, and I figured God had it. Here, Mom and I are losing sleep. And this little stinker just is being who God created him to be. And he's like, no sweat. But here's the point. They always know. Our youth can see right through you. My son knew something was going on. My wife and I did everything in our power to protect and hide it from him. But he saw right through it. As a youth pastor for all those years, I used to know right away what volunteers were going to make it or not. Because the students would look at the volunteer and see why they were there. They can see right through it. And if your faith is not genuine, listen to me church. If your faith is not alive and your faith is not real, our younger generations are going to see right through it. And you're going to lead them away from God more than you're going to lead them to God. If your relationship with the Lord is not where it should be, you will not be able to be the husband that you want to be. You will not be able to be the father, the mother. You will not be able to be the person that you ultimately want to be because the most significant relationship in your life is fractured. You need to be in relationship with God. Before we get to all the phases, before we get to pouring in, we've got to be obedient to what Moses talks about in Deuteronomy. You remember the Shema prayer that we've been talking about all these weeks, Deuteronomy 6. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And he says, take those things and then pass them to the next generation. But something we can easily miss if we're not careful is one of the most important parts of this prayer. When Moses says this in Deuteronomy 6, 7, excuse me, 6, 6, he says, these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts. See, if we're going to get serious about winning the next generation for Christ and passing on this this beautiful thing called the gospel, we've got to take serious our relationship with God. These things have to first be on our hearts. And I promise you this, church, if we're living in such a way that we're living in intimacy with God, we're going to have to use words once in a while, but our youth and our young ones are going to see in our own lives because they see right through us. Parents, you remember those days of the toddler when they started talking, right? You were praying that they wouldn't repeat something that they heard you say because they hear everything, amen? 
Well, listen, they got x-ray vision. And they have a front row to your life. And they are watching all the time. And if you're preaching something that you're not living, they're seeing it. My heart breaks in counseling when I meet with couples and they come in and they'll say things like, I'll ask them the question, are you praying together? Are you studying God's word together? And they'll say to me, well, we figured we'll do that before the kids get here. If you're not doing it now, you're not going to do it when the kids get here. You're going to talk a good game, but the kids are going to see right through it. Are you taking time to press upon your own hearts the things we talk about? I mean, I've got to be real honest with you, church. When my wife and I were going through this stuff in the last month and a half, the rubber really met the road for us. We had to really ask God to give us the strength to trust Him. I love what, you know, Timothy says, or Paul says to Timothy in our passage from this morning. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd encourage you to open to 2 Timothy 1. Because you see, Paul is in this relationship with Timothy and he preaches that same message that is given to us by Moses. And he says these words, and I want you to hear them this morning. He says, What you heard me... Uh, heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. And he says this, guard the good deposit that was entrusted into you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in you. When those people poured into your life, you were entrusted with a beautiful message, the beautiful gospel message of Jesus Christ dying for the forgiveness of sins. When that was poured into you, those people poured that into you with the hopes that you would pour that into others. And what Paul is saying to Timothy, he says, guard that. When you think of guarding something, you think this person who's the guard is a guard because his full attention is on protecting what the thing is. Do you get that? And so if we're being told to guard what has been entrusted into us, if we're being told to guard the spirituality placed in us, then our attention needs to be on our own personal spiritual growth. Listen to me. Some of you in this room right now are doing way too much stuff. Do you realize the Sabbath day, Sunday, God gave it to us as a gift, as a day to rest? Not a day to cram in everything we can't get into in the week. God gave us this day so that we can crawl up into the arms of our Father and go to sleep. I don't think there's anything holier on Sunday than afternoon naps after church. <laughs> I, I believe that. When was the last time you just stopped and watched your dogs play or stopped and Looked outside at the snow and talked to God. When was the last time you went to your thin place? Thin place, what is that? St. Patrick talked about the thin place being a, a place where he would go, where he couldn't tell where heaven started and the earth stopped. I know for Pastor Barry and I, I can speak for him, fishing is one of those places for us. I can have intimacy with God and pray as I'm standing in the water fishing. For Pastor Jared, maybe not so much. Not so much the fishing. Okay? But I know he loves to hike. And each of us, we have those places that we go to to get alone with God. And Jesus Christ did the same thing. Jesus Christ, the guy who did all the miracles and the whole Savior of the world thing that he had going on, he took time to stop. He took time to slow down. And he took time to take serious his personal relationship with the Father. 
because he knew that if his relationship wasn't right with himself, however that works, that he wasn't going to, or he knows that if we don't have a relationship to where, where it needs to be, we're not going to be able to be the people that God wants us to be. We're not going to be able to be on our A game. Is this making sense to you, church? Amen. You need to get alone with God. You need to find those places that deposit goodness in you. Maybe it's just simply laying in your bed and having some prayer time with God. Maybe it's sitting there being still before God. Are you taking those moments to be quiet before the Lord? Because that's how we take it personal. We take it personal by finding those deposits and guarding them and and, and, and enriching them and inflaming them. You see, Paul reminded Timothy, it's only with the help of the Holy Spirit that any of us can do this. And so I ask you the question, where are these places where you can go and be ministered to? How are your friendships? Do you as an individual, do you have healthy friendships in your life that aren't centered around things that detract from God? Do you have friendships in your life like Timothy had Paul? Do you have people mentoring you, talking to you about the Word of God, sharpening you, not always telling you yes, but sometimes like Grandma, doing the hard thing and calling you out on your junk? Those are the people that love you. Do you have healthy relationships? Are you spiritually cross-training? Are you serving Are you in the active pursuit of God? Do you worship? Are you giving? Are you being caring? You know, each of those things are ways that we can become in touch with God. Are you reading the scriptures? Are you praying with your spouse? Are you praying with your children? I'm not giving you a to-do list to earn merit for God. I'm telling you, these are things that will help you survive this thing we call life. Not just survive, but what? Thrive. Are you spending time in worship alone with God? When was the last time you sat in your car worshiping God? I love when people look at me when I'm singing in the car because I look crazy. (laughs) Right? When was the last time you sat in your car worshiping God? When was the last time you grabbed your guitar and went out back and just praised God? Your relationship with the Lord is the most significant relationship for the sake of the future of the gospel message. Because they're going to see it. What communities are you in? Married people. Are you talking with other married people? Parents. Are you talking with other godly parents? Single people. Are you talking with other single godly people? Or are the only people you with people that are taking away from you and drying you out? I love the way that J.R.R. Tolkien says it in the, in the, I think it's in the Lord of the Rings where Bilbo Baggins is talking about his obsession with his, his precious, his sin. And Tolkien says that he explains his life feels like too little butter over too much bread. Do you feel like that spiritually? You see, our, our spiritual lives are a checking account. And unless you're putting money in, you're not going to have spirituality to spend. If all you do is give, 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 if all you do is give, 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 sooner or later in the spiritual tank, there's not going to be anything to give and you're going to be burned out. Listen to me. For the sake of ministry, sometimes you need to take a break from even good things. We talked about it in the first week, the problem of overcommitment. 
Not only do we need to be doing these things, but we need to be carving out times to be intentionally intimate with God. Intentional time with our friends. Intentional time with our mentors. Intentional times with our spouses. Wives. Husbands. Are you still dating each other? Because if not... You have a mandatory two days where you have to go out. You have two days to go on a date or I'm going to come to your house and make you go on a date. <laughs> that might actually happen. My wife's saying, well, you better plan one with me first. <laughs> Are you dating each other? Listen, your relationship, the young kids are watching. They're watching. I was so proud of all the dads that were here. Because they took a moment to do something incredible for their daughters. They dated their daughters for a night. And it was beautiful. That was a thin place for me. Seeing the families of this church coming together for the sake of the, the next generation, but doing so because we understand it's just as significant for us as it is for them. That's what these phases are. These phases are all of our lives. And so I want to encourage you, church. Date your spouse. Make healthy friend choices. Get into the Word of God. Spend time alone with God in your thin places. Because listen, if you're not being the person that God created you to be, you're living a lie. And everybody can see it, except for maybe you. Let it be said of Christ Church that we're a church that stands up and speaks truth and love, that takes a stand for for that kid that may be unlovable or takes a stand for that kid who doesn't have a dad or doesn't have a mother. But may the people of God rise up, be more intimate with God for the sake of thriving in these phases. Listen, it's just a phase. Don't miss it. So Father, we love you. We praise you for the triumphant way that you have liberated us from our sin. You liberate us from our hardships in life and Lord as we pray as those marbles slip on by as time slips on by God that, that you would remind us of what was entrusted to us and encourage us then to go and to pour into others but God we pray that you would remind us to slow down once in a while and to refuel the flame that is burning inside of us when we try to do this on our own power Lord we burn out but we need you Holy Spirit to fill us to guide us to calm us to slow us and to use us so God, we pray that you would help us in these phases of life. And we pray, God, that you would receive all the glory and honor as we head out of this place knowing that you are good no matter the circumstances. It's in our obedience to you, God, that we find success. Not in the end result, but our obedience to you. So help us to be obedient in our relationship with you and with one another. Amen.